Father, we come to you. We stand in awe of you, the creator of this universe, the one who holds everything together. Father is what we call you. You are a good, good father. You have given us your word so that we know how to live. God, so many times we stray. We look at our parents, Adam and Eve, and the sin nature has been passed down to us. And we walk in rebellion coming out of the womb. But God, you have given us your word. You have given us the Holy Spirit. And you have given us your church. You've given us fellow believers to help guide us. So God, we come to you thanking you for the parents that you have put in our lives. God, we pray that as we go through this message, that our hearts would be receptive for what you have for us this morning. And in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Well, this message is on child rearing, but it is applicable to everyone in this room because I'm sure you were a child at one time. Was there anybody that was not a child at one time? Okay, a couple of you. You uh, just flew out of the sky and uh, came down as full grown. Yeah, you aren't built different. Everyone in here is a child. The Bible talks about us still being children as the children of God if we are born again. And so this message today is applicable not only to parents, but also us as children. I've got three points, or four points, but I'm going to go ahead and give them out. I'm going to spoil the fun. I'm going to give you the A, B, C, and Ds of child rearing. First one is authority. A, authority. Second one, boundaries. Third one, consistency. And the fourth, discipleship. Authority, A. Boundaries, B. C, consistency. D, discipleship. And as we go, we're going to fill those out this morning. My first point, authority. God has given parents authority over children within the family. This is God-given authority as we look at His Word. God, then father and mother together in authority in the home. Children are under the authority of a father and mother, while the parents are under God's authority. God has put parents in children's life to represent Him to their children as they are growing up. Now, we do a really good job of that, or we can do a really bad job of representing God in our children's life. A couple of examples. When you're hungry and tired, how are you representing God to your children? A lot of times, I don't do it well. I think of when I expect obedience out of my children. If it's inconsistent, am I representing God well? Definitely not. I can be angry at times when I'm not getting my way. Am I representing God to my children well? Proverbs 1.8.9 says, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's 
teaching. God is saying to our children, listen to your father, listen to your mother. And that is the onus is upon us as parents to give them a reason to listen to us. God has already established that we have that authority. It is our job to have self-control and not mess that up. The verse continues, They are garland of grace around your head and a chain to adore your neck. Now, Pastor Charles last week spoke on marriage. And he used Proverbs 3, 3 and 4. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck with them on a tablet on your heart. Many times in the scriptures, it talks about that. Binding these things. And as parents, we need to know God's word. And we need to establish that we love out of God's word and we are faithful out of God's word and not just our own feelings. There is no equality in the hierarchy of the family when it comes to authority. The children are to be in subjection to the parents. Ephesians 6, 1-4 through 4, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Listen to Exodus 20, 12. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Listen to Deuteronomy 5, 16. Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Colossians 3, 20. Children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. The Bible gives a lot of instruction to children to obey, to honor the authority God has placed over. Are you taking that authority seriously as parents? Children do not have equality in the home. Listen to Deuteronomy 21, 18 through 21. Now this will put society on its edge today. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, will not listen to them, then his father and mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gate of the place where he lives. And they shall say to the elders of the city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge the evil from your midst, and all Israel shall hear and fear. You guys wish you lived in Israel? That's crazy, isn't it? The civil magistrate, the, the political powers is who God gives us to mete out justice. 
That's the role of the civil government. It wasn't the parents' role to kill the children. It was the civil government's role to kill the children that were rebellious. Is that not crazy? But that's the way God set it up even today. It's a civil magistrate's role for justice. Not the family's role. A child is to live in submission to their parents. Now, we live in the United States of America. And in this country, when typically does a child be emancipated from his parents' authority? 18. Now, is that just an arbitrary number? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. And that's what we've set up for legal decisions within this country. But really, children have more rights than that before they're 18. I was thinking about things that children have rights for. Did you know if a child, a young lady gets pregnant, they can have an abortion without any parent being involved in many states, including Alaska, California, Connecticut, Hawaii, Illinois, Maine, Nevada, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, Oregon, Vermont, Washington. I was like, whoa, a 14-year-old has that authority in her life. And there's many other things in our society that children are having authority over that parents have no authority over with our civil government. And they are making a mockery of the family. I was reading up on Proposal 3 which is going to be voted on November 8th. And this is a certain proposal that gives everyone a right to an abortion, or as they call it, reproductive freedom, which is, in my estimation, nothing short of murder. Should children be given the authority in their own life over their reproductive freedom? I will vote no on that proposal because it is not the child's authority but the parent's authority over the child. And we are losing that and is eroding from our culture today. And the civil authorities have taken on roles that do not belong to them. And yes, we should fight as Christians against the debauchery and things of this world that want to take God's authority away even. But at the end of the day, no matter if Proposal 3 passes or it does not pass, I am to train my children that I am the authority in their life. And if anything is supposed to happen in their life, it goes through their God-given authority, their parents. We must fight for our role as parents but we must train our children that God has given us, as parents, the authority in their life. Proverbs 22.15 says this, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Foolishness and rebellion is bound up in the heart of a child. If you're a parent... You saw this probably very early on in your parenting with your child. 
the child does not come out as a blank slate. They don't come out neutral. They come out crying and wanting to be the authority of what they want in their own lives. And it is our job to use our God-given authority to bend that rebellion, to bend that foolishness out of them. We have been given a mandate by God to teach and instruct our children in the ways of God. We should consistently be pointing back to God as we walk in our authority as parents. We should represent God well in that authority. God has placed us in His place on this earth to be His representative to our children. Now we can say, oh me, if we're not doing that. Ephesians 6, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Are you walking in the authority that God has placed in your life as a parent? A, authority. B, boundaries. Rules must be applied within a family structure. Not suggestions and not choices. Rules must be applied within the family structure. Not suggestions or choices. God gave Adam and Eve from the beginning boundaries which he set forth for them. Now there was only a couple things that they had to remember. They were naked. That was pretty cool. But what was the boundary that he placed on them? Don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he was very clear with that, was he not? Very clear. It wasn't don't eat it from 8 o'clock to 5. It was don't eat it. L, ever, don't eat from that tree. It wouldn't seem that it would be that hard to follow that rule, would it? That one boundary that God placed over you. But it was pretty hard to follow, obviously. Boundaries are a must in any relationship, and especially within the family relationship. How does a child know right from wrong if there are no boundaries on them? And part of teaching and training and instructing is the part of teaching them the rules that God has set forth that they must abide by. Now we must know those rules as parents to put boundaries upon our children because if we don't know the rules, how are we to put them upon our children? Now I was thinking through some things that parents are responsible for in their children's life, but sometimes we give them way too many choices. Now, growing up, mom would put food on my plate. And what happened with the food on my plate? I ate it. I hate liver and onions. I loathe onions, especially. Which made me even loathe the liver even more. But when my parents put liver and onions on my plate, what did I do? I ate it. Now, they would give me this red sauce called ketchup and I would drown that stuff 
in ketchup. So much ketchup that probably came out of that meal with the blood pressure uh, uh, sky high. And I probably had more ketchup than I did liver and onions. But it drowned in the taste of the liver and onions. We look at our society today and we have 10-year-olds at 200 pounds. And sometimes, yes, there can be health issues related to that. But a lot of times, we give our children whatever they desire all the time and seek to pacify them with food. Well, there's, I looked up some things that obesity-related in children's lives cause, and high blood pressure, high cholesterol, type 2 diabetes, breathing problems such as asthma, sleep apnea, and joint problems. It's the parent's job to set these boundaries for our children. But if we're not doing a good job on ourselves, how do we set them on our children? I was looking at sleep. Over 50% of children do not get a proper amount of sleep, and you wonder why they act up in school. It's our job as parents to say, this is the bedtime, little Johnny, and this is when you're going to bed. This is non-negotiable. I was thinking of other areas that we need to set boundaries. Friends, do you know who your children are hanging out with? Pick their friends. They don't like it, they'll get over it. Too many times the influence of the parents are trumped by the influence of the friends. So we must know who our kids are hanging out with. Speech was another area. I was thinking sometimes parents, we do a horrible job with our speech. Proverbs 25.11 says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. James 1.26, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. And James 3 also talks about the tongue and the speech and it being a rudder. What is acceptable in your house should be acceptable in the church. But is it? Or do we have loose tongues? And let our children talk any way they want to. I was thinking about, do we as parents get to say words our kids don't get to say? And why? Anyway, I won't meddle. Um, there are so many areas that we could go into boundaries. And I don't have the time to list out every area of boundaries nor do I have the desire to do that this morning. But it is our job as parents to set boundaries upon our children that will lead them to God. This is part of training them. And as a child gets older, the boundaries kind of widen. I was given an illustration when Ruth and I were younger of a, a horse and when the when the horse wants to run, when it's you know, young, you hold it back. But as it gets older, you let it gallop. And that's what we do to our children. We want that rain. But as they get older, we want them to flourish and on their own. Because really, one day, our job is to prepare them to be the authority over their family. So we widen boundaries and give more freedom as they get older. 
And part of our boundary setting is to give clear expectations on what those boundaries are. Clear expectations on what is happening in the house. Clear expectations so they know what to expect if those boundaries are went against. So we got A, authority. B, boundaries. C, consistency. Parenting must be consistent. Training must be consistent or it becomes very confusing to the children. Nothing is more confusing to people than one day everything's cool and you do the same thing the next day and what happens? Somebody's mad. It's like walking on eggshells. It's a bad way to parent. And God does not do that with us. He is a consistent God. He is the same as Hebrew says, the same yesterday today and forever. James 1.7 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In God, it is consistent what His boundaries are in our lives. God is consistent, but unfortunately we are not. But we can strive to be more consistent every day. Psalms 119 Four through six. Yes, I said Psalms, Peter. Um, you ha- I did that just because he has a, a hard time listening. It's Psalm, I know. But I like to give him a hard time. Okay, Psalm 119, four through six. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statues. Then I shall not put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. God expects consistency from us. In Ephesians 6.4 it says, Fathers, do not exacerbate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Don't upset your children by being inconsistent. Now, there's a good way to upset your children if they're not doing what they should do. That upsetting is okay. But a lot of times... They don't know what's going on because we're not consistent with our parenting, with our discipline. Nothing can confuse a child more than inconsistency. And that only just goes for each parent, but are the mom and the dad on the same page? Because that can be very confusing and exacerbate a child when that doesn't happen. Proverbs 25, 28 says, Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. And that really is where it comes down to. Do you teach and train your children the same way when you're tired and hungry as you do when you're well-fed and rested? I would likely say we don't. But that's part of self-control that our, parent, our children need for us to be consistent. You're going to be, as a parent, tired and hungry a lot, especially when they're little. And I know you who have children can attest to that. But are you being consistent with your children and not exacerbating? We're on to the D, discipleship. Parents must teach, train, and discipline their children. Yes, discipline, the word comes right out of discipleship. So it's going to be part of Discipleship. It is a parent's job to explain and train 
a child as they grow. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Too many of us, though, did not get the training we should have or are not training our kids as we should be training them. Our children don't know things just by because we said something. We need to take the time to actually set aside and train them. I don't know how to wash dishes to this day because I was never trained. My mom never showed me how to wash dishes. Okay, maybe that's a lie. But we need, that's my excuse. But we have to show our children what we expect. Model it for them. Get your hands wet with them in the dishwater. I guess most people don't do that nowadays. I guess you got a dishwasher. Um, but train your children. I played... Uh, uh, in third grade, on our recess, we used to play soccer. I lived in Arizona, and I loved playing soccer. And we would get out there, we had a ball, and then sometimes some kid would bring another ball, and there'd be two balls in the in the, the soccer pitch there. Yeah, I call it a pitch. It's a field, right? Um, there'd be a couple balls out there. But we would just run around like mad fools, just kicking the ball, trying to get it in this goal, and sometimes we'd score on the other goal, but it didn't matter, right? We were just having fun, just playing soccer. Well, the school decided they were going to start a soccer team. They brought in a coach, and he had tryouts. So we had, all of us thought, man, we enjoy recess so much that we're going to go to tryouts. So we go to tryouts, a little different. He had us run some drills, and then he had a cut sheet. We're going to see who made the team. So we went to the bulletin board. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't emailed back then. It was bulletin board. And it was pins that were stuck in it with a piece of paper. And I wanted to see if I made the team. And I go up there. Bontrager. Stars go to the beach. You'll be at the top. I did. I made the team. And now, if your name wasn't up there, you weren't on the team. They didn't have a non-cut list. You're just, I guess you were forgot about. But I made the team. Now, I thought being on this team was going to be like recess. Was I sadly mistaken? We had to run laps. And we were running laps. What my coach made us do was take off our shoes, and we had to dribble the ball around the field. To this day, I hate walking on grass with bare feet. I refuse to do it. That was the worst thing of my whole childhood, I think. Running around a field on grass with no shoes on, in Arizona with a soccer ball at my feet. I hated it. It was brutal. I thought, what did I get myself into? This is not recess. We had to run laps. And if we did something wrong, he would make us run more laps or do push-ups. Or we had to lay on our back and all of us go for the ball at the same time. This was not fun at all. And I thought, what is going on here? I was looking forward to recess, and I thought about just quitting the team and going back to recess, even though we still did that. What a mess. What did I sign up for? I learned how to kick a ball, not with my toe. I'd only ever kicked a ball with my toe. What do you mean I can't kick the ball with my toe, coach? And we were all just kicking the ball with our toe. Nope. you got to use the instep of your foot 
or the shoelaces if you're going to launch it. Oh, man, and if we didn't do it right, more laps. What was this coach thinking? We were supposed to be having fun out here, but we're not. None of us were. We're by dying of heat stroke out here. What he was do, doing was training us. He was discipling us in the proper way to play real football, soccer. Yes, it's football. We got crazy names in America. That's right, Arpit. In that same vein as that soccer coach, that's our job as parents, to train our children. Now, what they want is recess in your home. But what they need is you as a coach training them. Because one day, they're going to be the coach of their own little soccer team. It's going to be a war sometimes because they want recess. But our job as parents is to train. And God has given us that authority and we need to flex that authority. Do not be discouraged. This is a battle. Your child's job when they come out of the womb is to rebel and act foolish. That's what they do. Now, it's a bad job. They do a really good job at the bad job, but that's what they do. Our job as parents is to correct, to discipline, to train, to disciple them. I wish my kids would have come out of the womb acting good, acting straight, not acting a fool. But they didn't. They needed parents. And why they needed parents is because they acted to fool. But God has given us something to help them not act to fool. It's called a rod. And if you look at Proverbs, and this is not just old school, this is biblical. So let's get that out in the open. Because I know the rod is considered old school. But it's biblical, read Proverbs. And I don't think it's metaphorical. Now, do you understand what a rod is? Now, in the book of Psalm, Psalms, it talks about thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now, why would David say that? Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. A rod was something used to fight, to beat off the animals that were coming after the sheep. But it was also something that the shepherd would take and knock upside the sheep's head a little bit. Now let's act straight, bro. The staff, on the other hand, was used to rescue the sheep. They would get into some briars, and he wasn't going to get in those briars. He would pull them out. Now, what does it mean to apply the rod? Now, we heard many verses. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. 
Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. What is being said there? When a child is young, you take them, and what they understand, they have pain receptors in a place called a gluteus maximus. And you apply a little bit of pain to the gluteus maximus, and you get their attention. Now, yes, it should hurt. Discipline does hurt. But that's what it's supposed to do. It's not a little Debbie snake cake snack. It shouldn't feel good going down. But God does that to us too. Because He loves us. And the Bible talks about if you do not discipline, you do not love your child. Does your rod comfort your children? That they know that you love them? And I will nuance this with saying, can parents get out of sync with God on this? Sure. There's beatings that kids have had. But that is not representation of God in the life. That is flesh. But that doesn't mean you don't discipline just because something can be taken to an extreme or dealt with wrongly. Again, discipline must be meted out when boundaries are crossed. Now, if you just have suggestions or choices in your family, you don't need discipline because the kid gets to choose whatever they want to do. But that's not how God works. As a child grows, more and more explanation can be given of why they don't do certain things. But when a child is small, when you tell them not run in the street, they don't need to have a reason why not to run in the street. It's because mom and dad said don't run in the street. After a while, they get older, they know, oh, cars come, and they're going to play Frogger with me if I do run in the street. So I'm not going to do that. Discipline and boundaries are part of discipleship. Now the conclusion. God has authority in heaven and on earth. And He is our authority. Each one of us here, God is our authority. God calls us His children. And as His children, He has complete authority in our lives. The Bible talks about even if you're not bending your knee to God today, you will one day bend your knee to Him and acknowledge His authority before the judgment is passed upon your life. Will you today bend your will to the authority of God? Or will you wait till the judgment day? We are to obey the boundaries God has set forth in our lives. God requires perfect obedience to get into heaven. Perfect how many of you are here today are perfect? You've never sinned. You've never done anything wrong. You're perfect. Nobody. Well, 
you're all going to hell. And you are, apart from what Jesus did in paying for your sin on the cross. You see, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, to get into heaven, you must be perfect. You must have not crossed any of God's boundaries. But we all have and we all know it. Just look at our lives. But Jesus, the Son of God, came to this earth, died to death that we deserve to die, paid for our sin so that we do not have to be separated from God. He had that perfect obedience, crossed no boundary that should not have been crossed. Are you accepting what He did on the cross for your payment, for your sins? I hope you do. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. You know, God is consistent with us. His rules and boundaries never change. We can feel secure in the fact that we know what pleases God and what doesn't please God. And as we grow in love for God, we know that He is pleased with us. The Bible said there's two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know He even told us how to do that? He even told us how to do that. He said, no other gods before me. No graven images. No taking the Lord's name in vain. Don't take my name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. He said, those don't do. You'll please me. Then he said, there's some things. You want to know how to love your neighbor as yourself? Honor your father and mother. Don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness against your neighbor. Don't covet what your neighbor has. You want to know how to love your neighbor? Don't do those things. That shows love for your neighbor. Proverbs 3, 1 through 4 says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life, and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so that you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Don't forget the teachings that God gives us in His Word. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. The Bible says, how can a, can a young man keep his way pure? By doing everything that God commands. Remember Scripture. God, God disciples us through His Word, His Spirit, and the church. We must be in the Word of God, this book. Because that is where we learn who we are, and who God is. We must be people of this word. And we must not quench the Spirit as we live our lives. Too many of us have quenched the Spirit 
We must be in the Word and not quench the Spirit. And we must be part of a local church. That is one of the ways God disciples us. Being part of the local church. God has all authority in telling us what, when, and how to maintain our lives. Will you bend the knee to Him today? Will you let Him have authority over your life? This is the Word of God for us this morning. Will you pray with me? Father God, we come to you today thanking you for your word. We thank you that you have given us your word to teach us how to deal with children. Because you have given us authority. May we walk in that authority, represent you well. God, may we be patient. But God, may we also be firm. That we need grace and truth in our parenting. God, I pray that uh, as you parent us, we see that and we would emulate it. You've been so patient, but also so truthful with us. God, as we want to remember what you did on the cross, we thank you for this gift of communion that we are about to partake in. I pray that this would be a, a life-changing time for our church. In Jesus' name.